This is Encore Performances, reconnecting with friends of GBA. I'm your host, Joel Carson, the Executive Director of the Geoprofessional Business Association. GBA is known for engaging with amazing speakers at our conferences, and in this series, we reconnect with past keynotes that have become old friends of GBA to see where life has taken them and learn from their journey. They are American heroes, best-selling authors, business leaders, executive coaches, all experts in their field and brilliantly engaging. I hope you enjoy reconnecting with these friends of GBA as much as I do. Today, I'm reconnecting with an inspiring keynote speaker from our 2014 Spring Conference that was held on the Big Island of Hawaii. He shared with us his story of discovery, overcoming challenges, and his experiences, which gave us tools and insights on ways we can all be better leaders and better humans. It's my honor to talk again with Eric Kaufman. Hello, Eric. Joel, such a pleasure to be with you. You as well. Thank you very much. Just as a reminder, Eric has been coaching and training leaders and executives since 2000. His earliest lessons in leadership and coaching, though, were in the water, not in the office. He was a scuba diving instructor in his college days, and it's there that he refined the ability to organize and influence people to learn new skills, work together, venture into the unknown, and have fun in a process that can also be dangerous. 20 years ago, Eric left his corporate role as marketing director at Corning Clinical Labs to establish an executive development consultancy and work with leaders to think more creatively, decide more effectively, and relate more wholeheartedly. In fact, he describes his work as unrelenting commitment to results with an unyielding regard for the human spirit. His clients include Facebook, Verizon, Sony, Dr. Bonners, SunPower Corporation, Navitas Organics, Petco, and the Geoprofessional Business Association. He's the author of Four Virtues of a Leader and Leadership as a Hero's Journey. He's also a fellow and an official thought leader at Harvard's Institute of Coaching, a former Vistage chair and speaker, and a speaker for TEDx. Thank you for joining me today. It's really awesome to reconnect with you, Eric. You're a good friend and a good friend to GBA. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule for us. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. And what you're doing is uh, is smart. There's a lot of pain, pressure, anxiety, fear in the space of pervasive uncertainty that is not really abating, right? It's not getting any more certain. We're getting more routines, but not more certainty. So these kind of conversations are helpful to the members. Yeah, thank you. So when we were together way back in 2014, you talked about how we can keep going when the going gets tough. And here we are in 2020, and this may be considered by some to be the toughest time of their lives, if not modern history. So remind us how to keep going in tough times like these. Wow. Small question to begin with. How do we keep going in tough times like these? You, you know, one foot in front of the other is sounding incredibly kind of pedestrian in a way, right? Excuse the pun, but also what happens in a situation like this is that the future, you know, and and if our audience is in fact leaders and people who are in charge of teams and businesses, you know, then much of the attention of a leader, certainly the attention of the CEO and the president and the general manager is very much about the future. A lot of an organization's success is their ability to 
have a sense of what the future is and then organize their company to meet both the current need and the future demand. When the future is that fuzzy, we get really kind of wigged out and freaked out. And that's what the executives think about all the engineers, all the folks in the field, all the folks in what was the office, right? Who are now at home. Maybe some of them are back in the office. Many of them are going, absolutely no way. I'm not going back to the office. I have a young child, an elderly, elderly parent, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so I think that there are three things that we need to keep going that are important from a leadership perspective for ourselves, but also for the people around us. And, and I'll, I'll get more into sort of how do we take care of ourselves, but I think from a leadership perspective, three things, right? You gotta provide clarity of direction. So clarity of direction is not obvious when the direction seems to be, or when the future seems to be that fuzzy, but without clarity of direction, as in we're heading this, you know, this is our overall objective, this is our goal, this is what we wanna accomplish in the next three months or six months, without clarity of direction, we always end up feeling lost. And when people feel lost, they get anxious. And when they get anxious, they get stressed. And when they get stressed, they're less effective. They bicker at each other more. They hoard their stuff more. They're less willing to reach out. And so clarity of direction is one, right? That's, that's sort of this, this notion I call focus, right? Where am I going? It's clarity of direction. The other piece that's really important is you've got to make meaning. Right now, it seems meaningless. What's the point? Why are we going there? As a leader, as a person, and as a leader, we've got to keep going by having some context, right? Why are we doing this? Is it to make money? That's not enough, but to survive, to thrive, to serve the community, to advance the profession, to, uh, to take care of our families. I mean, there's some way to make meaning of it. And then the third part that's really important is empathy. Empathy goes both ways, right? We have to be somewhat kind to ourselves because we're all freaking out. And to somehow be just be a tough guy and suck it up and don't be afraid, that's dumb, right? Courage, which is one of my four virtues, is really important and so is empathy. Empathy is caring for and to other people. And so clarity of direction, making meaning, giving a sense of purpose and empathy are the things that we really need to lean into both individually and very importantly from a leadership perspective because that's what your people are looking for, right? Where are we going? Why? And God, I don't feel so good. Can you feel me, you know? Yeah. Can you, can you relate to my pain? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. You spoke about your, your virtues. I imagine grit, which is one of the four cornerstones of exceptional leadership, is even more important now. And so tell me about the importance of grit in 2020 and provide us some, some reminders on how we hone that grit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost feel like my book was prescient. You know, it was, uh, the subtitle is navigating uncertainty and anxiety to achieve results. Yeah, I saw that this yeah, morning. Yeah, I think I've... that's pretty effective, right? It is about uncertainty and anxiety and grit. The definition I love for grit is passion and perseverance towards long-term goals. Again, I come back to this that right now, every organization that I work with, and I've been you know, fortunate throughout this whole pandemic, I have a big sort of group of executives that I continue to coach and have been coaching, every one of them without failure. And I'm talking about, you know, a couple dozen folks that I'm just having conversations with regularly, right? They cannot think more than six or nine months. I think I have one company that's thinking out in terms of three years out and everyone's like, what? You can do that? And so, <laughs> so when we talk about passion and perseverance for long-term goal, that long-term might be pulled a little closer, right? The horizon comes more like a month, three months, six months, and, you know, maybe two, three weeks ago, we thought, oh, okay, we're out of it. We can start thinking long-term and then boom, 
one element of grit is purpose. And I talked about that in sort of the meaning making. It's really difficult to be gritty, right? To persevere, to persist, to keep getting up and moving forward. As one friend of mine put it, you know, I keep getting knocked down, but I'm getting up. But every time I get up, I'm just a little bit more bent. (laughs) (laughs) But she keeps getting up, right? Why is she getting up? Part of it is just the survival impulse. You have it and I have it, right? Every, Every leader, every human has that. But grit doesn't happen in the vacuum. It happens because there's something, passion and perseverance, right? That's the idea of passion. So the passion in this case is what do I care about? Do I care about my people from a leadership perspective? That's one really solid perspective, right? I can be gritty for others, right? Right. My people. Do I care about my uh, creativity? You know, is it about a way that I can bring myself and my team to be innovative in a time where we really are you know, unable to do what we've always done, what the profession is based on. We have to have a sense of purpose for there's a grid to emerge. And I think and this might be true for GBA members as well as other members. Everyone has been, I don't want to say everyone, the tendency has been to be reactive, right? Yeah. To just like do this, do this, don't do that, stop that, sanitize this, wear the mask here, don't come in the office, move the desks around, change this and change that. Grit requires some distance, right? It's towards long-term goals. So this is almost paradoxical. Be reactive and pause. Gather your people around and have meaningful series of conversations about what's next. Yeah. Because you have to have a destination, a sense of orientation for the grit to work. So that's one. The other thing about grit is that, and this is a, this is a remarkably American notion, sort of like I, I might have even talked about it way back then, but the John Wayne that, you know, I, I, I will clean up this town, pilgrim. I'll do it myself is, yeah. you know, remarkable bullshit, you know, yeah. because when you go on your own, you fall alone and then you're, you're done. Right. And so grit is personal, but it's also collective. Who are your allies? Who are your supporters? This is the time to lean in, tell people how you're feeling. Let them have empathy for you, the same empathy that you're giving others. It's gotta be collective, right? Get the team even more together. And I think there's been a lot of that going on, right? Daily calls, weekly calls. Now they've abated. Daily calls have become twice a week, once a week. Thank God, right? Do we need a daily call? Maintain the contact, maintain the support, maintain the alliances and encourage and feed one another. Well, that's a, a great recipe to, to get through some of this uncertainty. I really like your point about making it a collective effort, and which is why I imagine some of your clients are reaching out to you as their coach, reaching out to that, uh, to that support staff, support team. Yeah, and I think that is one of the, I mean, this is a time where the GBA as an organization and I think what you're doing even with these, with the series of, of, uh, of interviews and, and webinars is really critical. I really want to push back against this unhealthy notion that grit is all about the individual resilience and power of the individual. That's never been true. You still have to be the guy getting up and running the marathon, but there's trainers, there's doctors, there's support yeah. crew, there are timers, there are... You know, the notion that we do something alone, the, the race car driver who's going 100 miles an hour around the NASCAR is going to stop at the pit, get the tires changed, the engine tuned, water, whatever he needs, right? So it's completely counterproductive to isolate. And the more they can lean into what you're doing, the better. 
when you discussed the value of self-reflection and meditation when we were together in 2014, and then some subsequent conversations that you and I have had, you were talking about some concepts that many of our members were not familiar with. But now it seems that there's more being written about the power of meditation for leaders. I know you write about it regularly and, and others are as well. So could you please just update us, remind us on the value of meditation, especially during these times of uncertainty? Yeah, I love that you brought that up. What happens during uncertainty? What happens during uncertainty is, well, and you guys are particularly well trained for risk mitigation, right? So yeah. the risk profile goes up, right? The more uncertainty, the more ambiguity, the, the less you can measure probability, the more the risk goes up, right? And as risk goes up, we start to project into that future risk and try to anticipate it and mitigate it and, and plan for it from a business perspective, right? On a personal level, from a leadership perspective, the same thing. And when that risk and uncertainty goes up as a human being, what goes up is our anxiousness, right? Cause that's what anxiousness is. It's essentially an anticipatory fear, right? Anxiousness is what's going to happen. Oh God, I can't control it. It's going to be bad. I'm anxious now about something that will happen in the future, right? Actual pure fear is, is, is timeless because when, you know, when, when I'm going jogging and the dog runs out and barks at me, and that instinct, it's fear because right. that dog you know, can actually bite me. That's dangerous, right? But when I'm putting on my shoes and I'm thinking three blocks from now, a dog might run out and bite me, that's anxiety. It's, it's anticipatory. Fear is in the moment. Anxiety is about the future. So what's meditation? Meditation is learning and mindfulness is learning to come back to this moment here now, to the present real-time experience of life. And so the value, the power, the gift, the contribution of practicing this day in and day out is when the mind does what the mind does, which is run to the future, I now have a tool to come back to the present. And when it runs to the future, it always goes, whoop, blood pressure is up, Anxiousness is up, pupils dilate, heartbeat goes up, that's anxiety. Anxiety goes up, stress goes up, intelligence goes down, decision-making slows down, relationships suffer. You bring in the meditation, the mindfulness practice, you come back to the present, you come back to your senses, literally. You come back to a sense of discernment, which is perhaps the most valuable thing to bring into uncertainty. Yeah. discernment. Can I actually figure out what's going on? But to be discerning, I have to engage reality as it is. If I'm in anxiety, I'm not. I'm out of reality. I'm in fantasy land. So for all those reasons, right? Get present, get here now, reduce your anxiety, reduce your stress, increase your presence, increase your discernment, improve your relationships. I don't know. Am I selling it sufficiently? It's freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, not meditating is, you know, people should get like, some kind, of a, some kind of a fee levied against them for not meditating. Because <laughs> if you're not learning to be present, you are a walking liability. Yeah. Not, not to be too dramatic about it, but that's how I right, feel. Right. I, have, yeah. I have a video that I did on why I meditate. I'll forward that to you. Maybe you can pass it along. Yeah. I might have seen that, actually, and I think I've shared it with my children. Someone once described meditation to me is all of a sudden you've gone from a two-dimensional world to a three-dimensional world where everything looks better, smells better, tastes better. And that's the effects of that uh, coming back to the, to the present and getting connected with life. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the reason it tastes better is because when you are not distracted by thinking about the future or reading the paper, watching the thing, scrolling through your feed on your, on your, your phone while you're eating, all your senses are available for the experience of flavor and texture. Yeah. And so the food tastes better when you give it your attention. You know what else? When you give your full attention to your spouse, they are smarter, funnier, more loving people. Yeah. When you give your attention to your team, they are more engaged and turned on. And that's what meditation is, learning to pay attention. So we have a time limit on this conversation, but <laughs> we, could, we could carve out a couple hours just to rant on meditation or better yet, just have people meditate. I recommend it in case you don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I do as well. <laughs> a question that I've been asking my friends and colleagues in the vein of a message of hope, um, I've been asking them to fill it in the blank to a question. And so I'm going to ask you now to fill in the blank to this question. The silver lining in all of this is what? A couple of things pop to mind. One is the silver lining is that we get to reimagine the future. Now, that seems scary for all those conversations we just had about uncertainty, but it is also the job, the primary job of a leader. Right. Yeah. And I, I mentioned back in the conference, I'm sure leadership comes from the word litham means to travel, to go. The point of leadership is to move towards some destination heretofore unexperienced, right? Something new. We have not only an opportunity, but a responsibility and a survival duty to reimagine the future. That's potentially scary, but it's a remarkable civil lining because some of the things about how they've been have run their course are unnecessary. They're just outmoded. They're not as sophisticated or meaningful or satisfying. So there's a silver lining here about where do we want to go? How do we yeah. want to position our business? How do we want to position our, our um, org chart? You know, what do we want to do with a particular kind of, um, do we want to go deeper into this type of uh, line of work? Do we want to stop doing this kind of line of work? Um, is there a way that we can rearrange ownership in the business that would distribute more you know, engagement and power among the different members? I mean, there's so many ways that we can reimagine the future that um, they don't come along when we're in the throes of momentum, right? Because what we've created is pushing us along. So yeah. um, from a leadership perspective, that's huge because that is the pinnacle of the executive role, in particular, the CEO, president, sort of the, the executive team, reimagining the future is a really beautiful silver lining. I think the other silver lining that comes to mind is that um, this whole remote working thing is fascinating. You know, there's something there about seeing the productivity and engagement, even without the fixed, and this is reimagining the future in its own right, you know, yeah. We've become so convinced that you have to have an office, you have to have a building and you have to have a, a cubicles and there has to be this commute. And wow, if we can pull off being just as productive, just as effective without that, there's a silver lining here in being able to, you know, how many times have you talked about work-life balance and how many times have we said, well, yeah, that's just really a notion not, not anything we can live into. And we've even come to not call it work-life balance, but work-life something else. Remember, there was another term for it recently, but there's a silver lining here, right? Yeah. That we can do things where our families, I mean, how much time have I spent with my family? More than ever in this kind of intense three and a half, four months. 
And then the last thing actually that comes to mind as a silver lining is this has been a really powerful lesson for us to recognize the interconnectedness and interdependence of all of life. And I think that we, we in particular in the US have sort of uh, hypnotized ourselves into believing that ecosystems are somehow distinct and that we can behave in a certain way relative to the environment, relative to healthcare and relative to economy as though these things don't affect one another. And there's something really powerful for us to see that everything is interconnected. Right. Because I think out of that comes a deeper sense of responsibility and a deeper sense of community. Yeah, I agreed. It is just interesting. The ripples of this and how all the pieces are fitting together with the environment and school education system and so fascinating. You know, I know you used to spend a whole lot of your time on airplanes, traveling around the country, speaking to audiences like GBA at their conferences and conventions and sharing your wisdom and inspiring people. I'm sure that that has come to a stop. You've talked a little bit about coaching. What are you doing these days now that you're not on airplanes a lot of times? I'm meditating more. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, you know, from a business perspective, you know, my, my team has also gone remote, so we don't work in the office anymore. And it's funny because we just renewed our lease in March. <laughs> it's like, great, I'm paying every month and we're not even there. You know, um, my business, the whole team, we've talked about just staying in this remote thing. So that's going to be a change for us. You know, after 15, 18 years of working in an office, it's like, what, do we really need it? Maybe not, you know, and so that's a, that's a change. The coaching has, has increased, so I have more coaching clients because people have been reaching out going, wait a minute, I need, my coaching isn't really teaching or training, right? I'm not telling you here's the skill you have to develop. My coaching is this very intense back and forth to help executives make really good decisions about themselves, about their teams, about their company, about strategy. And this has been a very rich time for people to reach out and ask for more of that coaching. And then the thing that's emerged that, that is um, interesting is what they're calling sort of these universities, right? A lot of companies are starting to, you know, they're bringing in me and other folks. We're doing this one hour, two hour, and then everything is recorded and they're creating these internal universities, sort of libraries of, of webinars and courses that they are then giving people a chance to go through in real time and then, and then after. So there's, there's more of an effort to curate the knowledge internally and then distribute it uh, within the workforce, which I'm finding very interesting. And I think, you know, you, you can update that easily. The technology has allowed that to happen quite uh, seamlessly, but there's still a, a need and a hunger for learning in particular around, you know, how do we manage remotely? How do yeah. we deal with ongoing sort of challenge? How do we cultivate resilience? Um, so a lot of the, a lot of the topics of leadership have become more about this kind of changed environment and how do we adapt? Yeah, that's very interesting. I hadn't heard of that uh, university concept. I, I have been aware that um, our members still have a, a, an intense desire for professional development and training, but I had not heard of companies uh, self-curating uh, leadership or professional develop universities within their organization, but it makes so much sense because you do it once, and if you like it, you keep it, and then you can hit replay as you add more staff and as people elevate through an organization. It 
that's very smart would add some consistency through a, a large organization to have people like you as the subject matter expert on topics for the whole company. I have a copy of a book that you gifted me, uh, Leadership as a Hero's Journey. Mm -hmm. And so where can people get uh, copies of your book, Eric? The easiest place would be to go to my website, erickkaufman.com, E-R-I-C-K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, erickkaufman.com. Four Virtues of a Leader is on there. I have a new book coming out late summer, early fall called Leadership Breakdown. And that book is about how to stop the vicious cycle, release the struggle and succeed with conscious leadership. So I'm introducing some new tools and ideas for folks on this idea of conscious leadership, like waking up and being the kind of leader that is uh, particularly well-equipped for these difficult times and for leading in these difficult times. And that's, so if you go to leadershipbreakdown.com, you can get a preview. There's a, the 10 top reasons why leaders break down and then you'll be on my list and I'll send you a note when it's coming out. EricHoffman.com or right. leadershipbreakdown.com. We'll have those uh, included in the description of this podcast episode uh, so our listeners can connect with you there. And please keep us updated on when your new book comes out. I'm really excited about that. I'll bet that's an exciting time for you too. It is an exciting time. It is. Writing a book is a... Writing a book is a journey unto itself. <laughs> and every, every time I write a book, it's actually, it's my own evolutionary process in the writing. So it's both delightful and, and you know, challenging and educational. Well, it's a good thing you wrote the book on a hero's journey so you can continue to take journeys for, <laughs> for new books. Amen. Great. What message would you like to leave us with uh, before we part ways today, Eric? I'd say three things. Be bold, go for it. Be curious, live in wonder, right? Be curious and be kind. You'll do well in this uh, chaos. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you again for connecting with uh, GBA and GBA member firms. Thank you for your long friendship with me. And uh, I look forward to the next time that we can connect. Likewise, yes. Thank you, Joel, and good luck to all of you out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encore Performances, Reconnecting with Friends of GBA. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and listen to future episodes. I'm confident you'll be inspired, informed, and entertained. For more great resources to help make you and your business smarter, stronger, and more successful, visit our website at geoprofessional.org. Thank you again for listening to your continued success.